Welcome to the Publishers Podcast, your place for psychiatry soundbites. Hi, I'm John Shelton, publisher of the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry. In this episode, I'll bring you up to date on our latest online selections of important peer-reviewed research and reviews for Part 1 of our November-December 2019 issue. You will hear a transition tone between summaries. Let's get started. The DSM-5, which was published in 2013, states that persistently increased energy or activity must be present in addition to mood change for the diagnosis of hypomania and mania. This requirement stands in contrast to the DSM-4, where mood change was the only criterion, criterion A, for diagnosing hypomania and mania. The modification in diagnostic criteria has been widely debated. In this study, the authors sought to investigate the effect of adding increased energy or activity to criterion A for the diagnosis of hypomania and mania and, accordingly, bipolar disorder. With support from the Stanley Foundation Medical Research Institute, researchers used data from the Bipolar Collaborative Network and included data from 907 bipolar outpatients who were followed prospectively from 1995 to 2002. Of the 907 patients, 518 had at least one visit characterized as hypomanic or manic according to DSM-4 criteria. Applying DSM-5 criteria reduced this number to 342, corresponding to a 34% reduction in patients classified as having bipolar disorder. Analyzing the data based on visits, the authors found that visits fulfilling DSM-5 criteria had two times the odds of experiencing increased levels of all other manic symptoms evaluated, compared with visits that only fulfilled DSM-4 criteria for hypomania and mania. The association between individual mania symptoms was strongest with mood elevation and energy or activity. Overall, applying DSM-5 criterion A reduced the number of patients experiencing hypomanic or manic episode during follow-up by 34%. However, the severity of mania symptoms was associated with fulfilling DSM-5 criteria. Results indicate that fewer hypomanic and manic episodes might be diagnosed by the stricter DSM-5 criteria, but the episodes that are diagnosed are of more severe character. Atypical antipsychotics may be used to treat patients with major depressive disorder who do not adequately respond to antidepressants. However, some atypical antipsychotics are associated with metabolic adverse effects, including impaired glucose metabolism, dyslipidemia, and weight gain. This article, sponsored by Otsuka and Lundbeck, summarizes the effects of adjunctive brexpiprazole on metabolic parameters and body weight in adults with major depressive disorder. Data were analyzed from four short-term randomized controlled trials that included just over 1,000 patients treated with an antidepressant plus adjunctive brexpiprazole, and just over 800 patients receiving an antidepressant plus placebo. 
also analyzed were data from a long-term extension study of nearly 3,000 patients receiving an antidepressant plus adjunctive brexpiprazole. The analysis found that adjunctive brexpiprazole is associated with small changes in metabolic parameters and moderate weight gain during short and long-term treatment. These results show it to be an alternative adjunctive treatment option for major depressive disorder with a favorable metabolic profile. This article is freely available online. Please visit the JCP website at psychiatrist.com. Previous studies have shown that maladaptive eating occurs more often in women with post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, than in those without. However, little research has examined these associations in men and by using nationally representative samples. The current study examined the relationship between PTSD, exposure to different types of traumatic events, and binge eating symptoms. Using a large sample of over 30,000 people surveyed in the United States, the authors compared the number of binge eating symptoms between three groups of men and women those who had experienced trauma but who did not have PTSD, those with moderate PTSD symptoms, and those with PTSD. The study found that in both men and women, more binge eating symptoms occurred in people with PTSD than in those without. The study also showed that as the severity of PTSD symptoms increased, so did the number of binge eating symptoms endorsed. In women, experiencing child maltreatment in particular was associated with greater binge eating symptoms compared to having witnessed a traumatic event. That this relationship between PTSD and binge eating is present supports the idea that food may be used as a way of managing distressing symptoms. The results help to better understand the impact that trauma exposure and PTSD can have on unhealthy behaviors like binge eating and can assist in devising better therapies. Cognitive impairments, specifically deficits in memory, attention, and executive function, is a common symptom of depression, negatively affecting one's social life and work functioning, and yet it is often overlooked. These impairments often persist into remission when people with depression are no longer experiencing a low mood. Few antidepressant trials have assessed cognition as a primary outcome, and few medications have been shown to improve cognition in depressed populations. Modafinil is one of the few medications that show positive effects on cognition in depression. It is a wakefulness-promoting agent currently indicated for treatment of narcolepsy and sleep apnea. In this systematic review, the authors examined the efficacy of modafinil specifically in treating cognitive impairments associated with major depressive disorder. As a secondary objective, they assessed the efficacy of modafinil in treating fatigue, daytime sleepiness, and mood symptoms in major depressive disorder populations. When modafinil was taken only once, people with remitted depression showed a short-term improvement in memory. After four weeks of treatment, executive function improved in currently depressed patients. Modafinil was also found to rapidly improve fatigue and daytime sleepiness in just one to two weeks. In all studies assessed, modafinil was well tolerated by users 
and deemed safe with no serious adverse events reported. The authors recommend that future trials continue to assess the efficacy of modafinil in helping to relieve cognitive symptoms of depression. Numerous studies have indicated a sex-specific effect in many aspects of schizophrenia. The presence of depressive symptomatology exists in all phases of schizophrenia. However, whether there are sex differences in the comorbid depressive symptoms in never-treated Chinese patients with first-episode schizophrenia has not yet been examined. In this study, sponsored by the National Natural Science Foundation of China, the authors investigated the incidence rate of co-occurring depression in male and female patients and sex-specific relationships between depressive symptoms and clinical correlates in 240 never-treated patients with schizophrenia. They found that in men, the proportion of patients with depressive symptoms, just over 60%, is significantly higher than in women, just under 50%. Moreover, male patients had significantly greater depressive symptoms together with more severe clinical and cognitive symptoms than female patients. Interestingly, the researchers found sex differences in the correlation between depressive symptoms and clinical phenotypes. The authors conclude that their results suggest that there are sex differences in the frequency and severity of comorbid depressive symptoms and in association between depressive symptoms and clinical correlates in never-treated patients with first-episode schizophrenia. The relationship between metabolic abnormalities and cardiovascular disease on the one hand and depression is complex and bidirectional. Whereas some studies have suggested that metabolic abnormalities could contribute to chronicity and treatment resistance in major depressive disorder, very few evaluate the prevalence and risk factors of metabolic syndrome in individuals with treatment-resistant depression. In a study supported by the Fundamental Foundation that included 205 individuals with treatment-resistant depression, 38% of participants met criteria for metabolic syndrome. The frequency of metabolic syndrome was higher in men than women only for patients aged 40 years or older. Moreover, whereas the management for diabetes was good, less than one-third of the patients with high blood pressure or dyslipidemia were treated for these conditions. Multivariate analysis showed that individuals with abnormal plasma C-reactive protein levels had a three-fold increased risk of having metabolic syndrome independent of other potential confounders. The prevalence of metabolic syndrome was higher in treatment-resistant depression patients than in patients with other psychiatric disorders and was characterized by considerable undertreatment of some components of the syndrome. The authors conclude that diagnosis and treatment of the components of metabolic syndrome should be systematically performed to prevent the occurrence of cardiovascular disease in these patients. These findings highlight the need for integrated care with more interaction and coordination between psychiatrists and primary care providers. In patients with major depressive disorder, inflammation is associated with greater depressive symptom severity, antidepressant resistance, and higher likelihood of hospitalization. Further, research has suggested that peripheral measures of inflammation are good indicators of CNS inflammation. 
A recent ASCP Corner article examines published reports and ongoing studies of anti-inflammatory treatments with potential antidepressant effects and discusses how targeting inflammation may be a promising avenue to develop novel, mechanistically driven antidepressants. This article is freely available online. Please visit the JCP website at psychiatrist.com. In closing, be sure to visit us online for interactive activities from our CME Institute and more from the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry. You can view the newest online offerings from Part 1 of the November-December 2019 issue on the JCP website at psychiatrist.com. Thanks for listening. This is John Shelton signing off. I hope you will join me next month for the Publishers Podcast your place for psychiatry sound bites.